Cross-country season is one of the best seasons. There's something to be said for races taking place on grueling landscapes through scenic false settings, watching as spectators run from checkpoint to checkpoint to jockey a better view of the runners as they pass by. Cross-country is also a great place to test limits, give trial to new tactics, and perhaps make an error or two along the way too. This week, we chat cross-country. Sasha Golish and Steve Boyd join me later in the show to debate whether the women's race should be an equal distance to the men's race. But first, Alex Wilkie talks about his season, running style, and of course, Eastern Ontario dairy products. Don't go anywhere, you're listening to The Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. There are good runners, even great runners out there that sure can be appreciated if you're a fan of the sport, but then there are character runners, runners who are fast, yes, but seem to almost transcend the sport when they run, forcing even the most apathetic viewers to hold on to every moment of the race. My guest this week on the show is one of those runners. Alex Wilkie is a runner at Queen's University, and you may remember him from such races as the Indoor OUA 3000, the CIS Indoor 1500, or the Canadian 1500 meter championship. But right now his focus is on CIS cross country. With a big race less than a month away, welcome to the show, Alex. Thanks for having me on. Uh, first of all, I have to know, your uh, nickname is Milkbag. Where did that come from? <laughs> well, I guess it's for two reasons, really. Um, coming into Queens my first year, I guess uh, my teammates thought I was a little soft. And my training partner, Jeff Archer, we have such a, you know, like, it's a dynamic relationship. <laughs> and he said to me one day, buddy, you're, you're ripped like a bag of milk. <laughs> and I guess the other reason would be once, you know, I'd been to the calf and stuff with my new teammates, um, I told them that I really appreciate local, you know, farm fresh milk from uh, Eastern Ontario. And I don't drink when I'm at home, I don't drink anything less than, you know, uh, homogenized, like 3.25%. Mm-hmm. So I guess the name stu- stuck with me. So yeah, that's the way it was. All right. So, you know, I've talked to a few different people about it. I, I kind of want to know where you're at on this. I want you to rank from, you know, perhaps favorite to least favorite uh, with cross country, outdoor track, indoor track, and road racing. Um, it's super tight. <sighs> I think I'm going to have to go in order, cross-country, uh, road, outdoor, and indoor. Um, I The reason I rank cross and the road stuff ahead of the track stuff is just because I love the outdoors and I find, you know, uh, challenging courses with people cheering at the hardest sections where it's super muddy and super hilly um, is just trumps it a little bit. I mean, the indoor atmosphere is great with the small, tightly packed facility, but the air is always hateish. Your coach, Steve Boyd, you know, he's been known as a bit of a character, uh, even amongst the, especially amongst the Canadian running crowd. Uh, with that, you seem to be really excelling under his direction. I kind of want to know what makes that partnership work so well. I think the way I've been able to improve under Holster <laughs> has been the fact probably that I came in knowing so little about the sport and training. Uh, so when you have like a super knowledgeable, uh, passionate guy like Steve to brain pick every day, it just, it's super helpful. And I've tried to follow his plan and instructions uh, as closely as possible at this point. And 
I've had some success and hopefully I can continue to have some success. Um, yeah. One thing that he's really good at is, you know, bringing some, you know, even unknown guys up to, you know, being pretty big players, you know, overall, how is the Queens team looking this year? Absolutely. I hundred percent agree. Steve always, you know, gets people to peak at the right time. Uh, you never see guys in on Steve's teams blowing up really. Um, when it matters most. And I think the Queens team's looking really solid. Like Archer and Winans have been working out with me the past couple weeks. Uh, they're both really fit. But like in terms of four through seven, there's just a bunch of guys. Um, it comes down to who performs on the day. I mean, we have Queens Open this weekend. It's our final selection race. I'm not sure about the order yet, but I mean, Schmidt is there, Cashin, Thomas, uh, Joey Stell. So we've got Queens open and even then there might be some uh, changes between OUs and CIs. So, but it's all together. Yeah. Everybody I think is rounding into shape at the right time. Okay. So what makes cross country so interesting is really the fact that every course is different as you kind of highlighted earlier. How have you prepared for the, uh, for the OU course, which is in Waterloo and the CI course, which is just down the road in Guelph? Um, it's more, it's obviously just mental uh, preparation. I mean, both of the courses are firm. So I'm expecting, you know, pretty fast pace at OUs and CIs. I was able to see the Waterloo course um, last year for offs across. And I mean, if the weather is good, I mean, good as in dry, uh, I think they'll be firm and the pace will be fast at both OUs and CIs. Obviously, that's a huge if. Um, as we come into November, but, uh, yeah, I think I have a general idea of the, the guys who are going to be in the lead pack and yeah, based on those firm courses with the guys in the lead pack, the pace will be quick. Well, let's focus on that a little more when it comes to nationals, there's going to be a lot of people that you really rarely race, i.e. from the West and from the East, uh, not even a whole lot of video footage of them out there. Does this have any sort of effect on your race strategy at all? It's funny you mentioned the video, the lack of video footage. I mean, it's like that every year, you know. It's a mystery, those guys from UVic and even it's kind of Trinity Western this year, um, how fit they really are. Uh, and I guess they probably ask the same questions about us. But I don't think the race strategy really changes. I mean, it is one of the closest years in a while now, but... I don't think like the lead pack will only grow by about four guys, I think from OUs to CIs. So I'm expecting like nine or 10 of them, um, when we get to Guelph and then we'll, it might affect the pace a little bit, but, um, my strategy I think will be unchanged based on that. I mean, I know just the guys that are in there. There's a couple of guys with obviously great 15 speed. There's some guys that are just monsters over cross, that I think I can try and edge if we were on the track, but obviously it's unrelated. 10 K cross is completely different, but we'll see. I nine to 10 guys. It's going to be quick at Guelph and yeah, I'm ready for it. Okay. So end of November, Canadian nationals are happening up in Kingston, which is uh your stomping grounds. You train on there, you know, all throughout the cross season. Uh, what kind of advantages do you think you'll get from that? Um, it's a small advantage, I think, but if you know the ins and outs of uh, a cross course that's as challenging as Fort Henry, it's definitely helpful. I mean, it's constant rolling hills, right? So 
there's spots where you can try and toss in little surges when you're battling guys and there's other spots where you can try and back off and sandbag for a bit to try and recover yourself. So we'll see. I mean, when, uh, athletics Canada nationals happen, that's like the end of November. So the weather could be pretty crazy. Like I'm anticipating crazy wind, um, probably super cold and that might, you know, level the playing field a bit. We'll see. I don't think it'll be as intense as, um, Newfoundland last year, but yeah, it'll be extreme for sure. Uh, you've been quoted as saying that your preseason plan puts you between 85 and 95 miles per week. Uh, you know, is that something that you've consistently increased between seasons? Well, when I came into Queens my first year, um, I definitely approached my workouts with like my tail between my legs. Um, I just didn't do very much mileage in high school and I've tried to listen to my body when I have done the increases since then. Um, but I have had some problems like the end of, uh, the summer following my first year, I had some Achilles stuff and, uh, this past summer my ferritin was low, but, um, yeah, the increase has been a little bumpy at times, but hopefully I can start definitely, uh, cranking up the miles, like coming my fourth and definitely fifth year here at Queens. <clears throat> you seem to have a pretty good range when it comes to the distances you choose to run. Uh, what do you see yourself racing after your CIS days are over? Um, I had a really good time racing the Yorkville 5k in September. So I definitely think I'll be doing, uh, some road fives and tens when I'm done in the CIS. But that said, like, I definitely, I want to improve my range. Um, especially on the track. I've got a 1603 as my 5k track time. Um, so I want to run faster there and definitely knock out a 10. So, um, I've been talking to Steve about that. We're planning to have a big post-collegiate training group in Kingston. So, um, you know, I'll never get sick of cross country either. So I'll be at Nats and AOs for sure too. Okay. So, you know, as I mentioned off the top of the, off the, the top of the show, you know, you're a fairly exciting racer to, to watch. Who are the runners that you look up to and maybe emulate in your own running style? Um, it's a really, it's funny you ask because recently my housemate, uh, Nathan told me that my form looks a lot like Luke Bruchet mm-hmm. and, or Bruchet. And, uh, if that really means anything, but, uh, not many people know this ever since he won, um, nationals cross two years ago in Vancouver, I noticed like his kit on the day and I was like, man, that guy's wearing calf length socks. Like I want to do that. Like, I think they make you, your calves look bigger. So <laughs> I've been doing that ever since uh, Luke won that race. Um, I love the way like Chuck PT races, uh, always with lots of heart. I mean, watching, it's one of his lesser known races, I would say, but watching him, uh, live and the McGill team challenge last winter when he smashed those records over the K and 15 was just, uh, exceptional. He's yeah. He races with a lot of heart and, uh, hopefully, you know, when I'm said and done with my running career, people can say the same about me. Okay. So, you know, I do have to ask you, cause you mentioned some Eastern Ontario dairy products right off the top. Uh, <laughs> I know that's from where you're around. What, what's your go-to Eastern Ontario cheese? Oh man. Um, Balderson. Really? 
Yeah, Balderson, extra old. Uh, it's just been a staple, you know? <laughs> uh, like, Sunday afternoons, uh, watching football with my dad. We've got Balderson cheese and uh, local, like, Hungarian sausage from the meat market in Elmont. So, um, you know, I don't do that very often anymore now that I'm in Kingston, but that's definitely one of my favorite things, um, a little snack when you've done your long run on Sunday and watch some football with my dad. All right, he is Alex Wilkie, and uh, he'll be running in OU's CIs, and then he will be running at the uh, the Athletics Canada Cross Country Championships, which will be happening in Kingston at the end of next month. Thanks a lot for being on the show today, Alex. Yeah, my pleasure. You're listening to The Terminal Mile at The Terminal Mile on Twitter. You can find us via iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and at tracky.ca. With cross country comes the age-old debate. Should the length of the women's race be increased to be equal with the men's race? As it stands right now in CIS racing, the men run a 10-kilometer course while the women run a 6-kilometer course. Well, many argue that, yes, in fact, women should be running the same distance as their male counterparts, there's also a large component who believe otherwise. Right now, I'm joined by two folks, similar in that they are both immersed in the sport, but differing in their opinion on the subject. Steve Boyd is the coach of the Queen's cross-country team and indoor track team. He also coaches the physical squad out of Kingston and is a big supporter of equal distance between the genders. Sasha Golich is a Pan Am bronze medalist in the 1500 and a coach who recently posts a great piece on her blog, sashagolich.com, outlining the reasons why it may not be such a great idea for the women's distance to be bumped up. To take a closer look at the issue, both join me to debate the following statement. The women's cross-country distance should be increased to match that of their male counterparts. Since Steve is taking the affirmative, he'll open with his statement first, followed by Sasha's, then we'll have some discussion, and end with the closing arguments, with Sasha getting the final word. All right, Steve, the floor is all yours. Thanks, Michael, and thanks, uh, Sasha, for doing this. Um, I got four quick uh, points uh, in support of the uh, uh, the equal distance argument to make. Um, the first one is that just to remind people that the distances that we, we currently use for women actually weren't developed with any kind of sports-specific rationale at all. They were just introduced to increase participation among women and girls at a time when their rates were low. Um, uh, to follow that logic, we should have been increasing them stepwise as participation rates and performance levels and so on went up as women demonstrated their commitment to the sport. We haven't done that, so what we're left with now is a kind of a as a kind of recovery project that uh, kind of an overdue, uh, re- you know, repairing of this, this derelict edifice that we have. Um, second thing is um, distances are already equal in other disciplines. And I don't hear anybody uh, arguing for reducing the women's marathon to uh, whatever the percentage it would be, uh, 60% of the, the men's distance, nor the women's fiber or, uh, or women's 10 on the track. So uh, that argument was settled a long, long time ago, 30 years ago. Um, so again, it's just a hangover that we're not, um, and doing the same when women are running on grass and dirt. Um, concerns I've heard about uh, women's health and participation levels sometimes from defenders of unequal distances, um, I just think they're paternalistic because they're never applied in any form to men and boys. Uh, men's health and men's participation rates are always either considered perfectly fine or irrelevant. The sport is the sport, and you either do it or you don't. Uh, sp- any special concern for women and girls to me is a, is a sort of paternalistic sexist kind of kind of a holdover. Um, and, and finally, the relative speeds with which men and women do the disciplines is, is actually not pertinent to, 
to the question of their ability to do them. Uh, the question is, do they have the ability to do them with the same competitive intensity as men, even if it takes them a few minutes longer? Uh, and further to that point, um, the, the speed differential that, that maybe existed 20, 30 years ago has actually decreased significantly, largely because we allowed women to run 510 in marathon. Uh, they've been closing the gap for years. There's no reason to believe they wouldn't continue to close it. Uh, and I think, you know, it, it just uh, supports the argument that, you know, reducing the distance or equalizing distances across country uh, would have the same effect. There's no reason to believe it wouldn't have the same effect uh, in terms of performance and uh, participation rates. Is that two minutes? Maybe more? <laughs> you know what? I think, uh, I think you got it right on there. Um, All right. Okay. Go ahead, <clears throat> Sasha. I just, again, wanted to say thanks and thanks, Steve, for engaging on this. And so I, I've kind of did a little bit of research um, just looking at this. And, you know, one of the things I want to point out, and whether it's right or wrong, is what the IAAF does and what the CIS does. So IAAF runs a 12K for men and an 8K for women. And at the junior, it's 8K for junior men and 6K for junior women. And at the CIS uh, and NCAA Division One, it's 10K for men and 6K for women. And so I look if I look at what's going on in terms of the progression, it actually – um, on the women's side, looks really good. You know, you move from sort of 1K in grade one up to, you know, 3K in grade nine, 5K when you leave high school and you go to university and run 6K. And if you choose to run cross country um, at the senior level, it's 8K. Um, and I also looked at some other sports for comparison. So I looked at, you know, cross country mountain biking, which is similar. And I looked at um, cross country skiing um, and cyclocross biking and road biking. Um, and what I found in those sports was that it's it's a time equity as opposed to a distance equity. And so the women's races are are often shorter. Um, and I look to other sports, and I, I don't have the percentage off the top of my head, but I'd say about two-thirds of the sports, um, the women's stuff tends to be shorter. If we look at, you know, figure skating, um, the women's long program is shorter and the requirements are different. Or tennis, where at the Grand Slams, the women play three matches where the men play five matches. And just... You know, in terms of, you know, why, you know, I'm not sure we're quite ready to see equidistant, um, you know, just the physiology, particularly at the younger ages, you know, where, you know, women's bodies as we go through puberty really change, um, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and the forces on our bodies change. And just, you know, the idea with track that, yeah, you know what, the distances are the same, but never have we required the women uh, to run at the same time as the same times as the men. All right. Thanks a lot, Sasha. <laughs> I think it's it's time for a little bit of discussion here. So I've asked you both to uh, prepare some questions. So uh, Sasha, I'll let you kick this one off. Okay, thanks, Mike. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, so Steve, I just I wanted to ask you about the potential of of the time equity. So I spoke to it and how we see it in cross country uh, mountain biking and road riding. Um, what your views are as possibly having this as a, as an idea for cross country running. Uh, well, first of all, I'd say the uh, other examples from other sports are interesting, but uh, I know nothing about them. I have no expertise in those areas. If there's sports-specific reasons for those differences, then um, and that's fine. But um, what I do know is running, and I know there are no sports-specific reasons for those differences. But um, uh, So the, the question about equal time, well, I, I would respond by saying, if, you know, if we had treated the question of women's 5 and 10 in marathon in the same way, you know, women would be running probably – you know, 30K now and maybe, you know, 7K, um, and they probably wouldn't have ever had a chance to uh, achieve the kind of standards they have now. So really, in terms of the equal distance thing, you have to allow for the fact that women's performances are going to get better over time, so you'd be constantly adjusting the amount of time they use. Uh, just logistically, that seems to be the most incoherent kind of solution, and practically. 
the most incoherent kind of solution. By the time you get to you know 20 years from now, you'd, you'd be talking about making the distances equal. So I say, why not do it now and uh, and just be done with it? It's practically much simpler. We've already done it on the track. It'd be simple to do it on, on the on across too. I guess you know. You know, I, I agree with you that it would be challenging to then, you know, be adjusting the distances. And I guess, you know, I, I've watched them figure out in road racing, and I speak to road racing in terms of biking um, and in mountain biking, how they've kind of found a distance. But, you know, you say that the women, um, they're getting faster, but so are the men. And Not at the same we, rate. They haven't been at the same rate in the last 20, 30 years. Women no, are getting faster much quicker, more quickly. No, and I'll, and I'll agree with that, but I don't know that there's actually a point in convergence where they will, where they will be um, at the same time. And so, if we've given this allowance, and you know, the standards are reflected in that, you know, for the Olympic standards for for the track and for the marathon, where the women's standards are are different. And so, um, well, sorry, I've never argued that they should be exactly uh, that women are ever going to run exactly as fast as men. But I think the gaps, we, we know historically that the gaps we see at any given time are liable to change. So we have to look at the thing in process rather than statically uh, and, and, you know, set us, make a set of distances based on where women are today. When we know full well that when they're given an, an, a chance to run longer distances, they, they just get better. And I agree with that. I just, I guess I'm looking to the research from other sports and my participation in other sports and um, having enjoyed, I guess, the ability to compete within that same time frame at the shorter distance. And I guess I do bring a bit of a personal bias to it. Um, I just, I looked at it as a, as a good compromise um, for physiological and deliberate play reasons and other reasons to, to keep the sport fun and interesting for everybody. All right. Then my question would be, uh, since, since you brought up physiology, um, is there an argument for having girls run further than boys that during a period in life when they enjoy a physiological advantage, i.e. a puberty, uh, so grade nine and ten, and then should we then reverse and have women run shorter when when boys get become mature at sort of grade eleven and twelve? So sorry, just to understand your question is that we would ha have them run longer and then bring them back to a shorter distance for yeah, the women. Based on physiology, shouldn't we have uh, pubescent girls running further than boys? So uh, I've done a little bit of research on the on the puberty side and the and the physiology side, and so. And I also look at it from a civil engineering side. So one of the things that I really am passionate about and think are really cool in a really nerdy way are forces and structures. And so if we look at a simple structure um, of our legs, um, and before girls reach puberty, um, and we have similar structure to men where you basically have the force of gravity and your weight going vertically through your legs. And then as we go through puberty, which, you know, across the board, men and women equally varies as to when it happens in your life. And yes, we know women, it tends to happen earlier. But one of the things that physiologically changes in women is that our hips widen. And while I don't understand all of the research, my, my simple structure brain tells me that as you shift something to become that was a rectangle into a triangle, you've introduced lateral forces. And whether or not your tendons, muscles, bones move in the same directions, you're asking your body to move in different ways. And then all at the same time while this is happening, you get this awesome injection of fat. It's really fun to be a girl in puberty. And I think those physiological changes comparatively with the men where basically as you go through puberty, you get stronger. Um, I would say no, that running a longer distance at that time actually would be even more detrimental to girls, just given the shift in the way their bodies work. I mean, 
during that time, you basically have to relearn how to use your hips, knees, and ankles. Like there's this major shift um, and change in your body where things have to strengthen and readjust and, and learn how to use themselves all over again, almost like when you're growing up as a child. So you don't think they have a physiological advantage by hitting puberty sooner? I think there's some physiological advantages, but in terms of, but I also think that they, there's detriments as well that they go through and that you lose some of that as well. You also know that women are always going to have wider hips than men. Yes. They should always run shorter distances. I think that eventually that, you know, you can, re you reach equilibrium again, is that as you go through this change is that you're out of equilibrium and then you, you do reach equilibrium again. And I think that takes a lot longer than people are willing to appreciate. And, you know, you know, I actually don't remember going through it at all, to be honest, it was so long ago, but you know, I remember feeling really uncomfortable. I know there was a lot of, you know, growing pains and, and, and different things. And I think that until you reach equilibrium again, that no, you shouldn't run those longer distances. Uh, so at what point then should you, uh, Given girls are fully mature, at, so before boys, say 17, 18, uh, would they be able to do that at the university level? You know what, Steve, to be perfectly honest with you, I think it varies by athlete. Um, and just on the same the same rate for boys. And I think, you know, maybe it's a little unfortunate that we force them into these distances, you know, because boys mature at different rates than each other. Um, I, I think it happens on a completely individual basis based on when you go through puberty. I mean, one of the things we know is that with sport is that there tends to be a delay in when the onset is with, it, with a female athlete. Um, Maybe we should offer them equal uh, choices and let them decide individually. Funny that I couldn't agree with you more, and that was one of the solutions that I have for a future blog post. Uh, but we're not really doing that, that right now. About. We're, not really, we're not really doing that right now. No, we don't offer them that at all. You're, you're totally right. All right, fantastic. Uh, Sasha, do you have a second question for Steve? Sure. Um, so uh, there's a couple organizations that I'm, I'm involved with and quite passionate about, Fast and Female, uh, Prissy Tomboy, and Sisu Girls. And they're all organizations that are dedicated to the empowerment of girls through sport. And one of the things that we know is that at the age of 14, girls are twice as likely to drop out of sport. And given the uh, social pressures, increased distance, um, I believe that there would be a greater dropout of women if we force them to only run 10K um, or equidistant and longer distances of the boys um, at that young ages. And I just w wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Well, I don't see why. I mean, uh, Michael has posed the question of, you know, should, should women's distance be increased uh, to that of men's? That would be my preference. But uh, I think the real issue is should it be equal for gender? Um, and I don't see why uh, being asked to run the same distance as boys would discourage girls from running. Uh, really, that's what we're talking about at the certainly at the high school level, and then eventually when girls have come through that, those longer distances in high school, they're presumably physically and more psychologically ready. So you'd have the girls that were already uh, assuming they were going to run the same distance as boys and you wouldn't have the dropout problem. So it, you tend to get what you, what, what you plan for. But So I, I don't see why a girl being asked to run the same distance as a boy is going to say, I'm in fear, I, I can't do what boys can do, I'm going to quit. I just don't, I don't, don't see that happening. Um, I just I, I, don't, I don't follow the logic of that. I'm, just saying, I'm, not, I'm not saying what you're saying isn't true. I'm just saying I don't think making equal distances would make it any worse. Okay. So one of the things in sports psychology and sports psychology history that they've looked at is that when men and women compete in the same thing is that the, dist the, the participation from women 
um, not only does it drop off, but it basically goes to zero. And one of the against one another or in the same against against themselves over the same in the same sports. I'm getting there. Hang on. Give me one sec. So yes, when they are, when they are compete against, against each other. So men against women and, and it's understandable why, but if the men and women are running the same distance at that age, one of my fears, and yeah, it's a personal fear from having been involved with entry level and learn to train coaching is that if you have the men and women directly compared with each other, um, you may have a, a, a larger dropout of the women. Yeah. Okay. Well, that may or may not be true, but that that doesn't sound plausible to me because <laughs> they're actually not competing against one another. Um, I mean, that you don't have that at the university level in NCAA, for instance, uh, when w- men and women are running the five and ten, they're theoretically comparing times. But I think women understand that you know they're not going to be as fast as guys. And I coach a lot of you know, age class girls, and you know they they compete with the boys in terms of how well they do relative you know performance wise against other girls. But I don't think they're too preoccupied with their times versus the boys. There's a general understanding they're not going to be as fast. Um, I just don't follow. I don't. I don't just think that's plausible. But could be right. All right, Steve. Um, do you have uh, Do you have a second question ready too? Yeah, just, this is just a broad, simple one. Um, Sasha, if if is there is there ever a point at which you could see us using equal distances for men and women uh, in in say high school and university? And if not now, then then when? What would be required to happen for you to agree that it was time to go to equal distances for men and women? Uh, it's a great question, Steve. Um, and so sort of a little background. It's funny. Like I was thinking, like, what did I think when I ran cross country in high school? And I was like, it's the distance, so you run it. And, you know, if it had been the equal distance to the men, would I have still run it? And I, I've been thinking about it for a couple of days, and I, and I don't actually have an answer. Um but one of the things with that question is, is thinking about what do the girls actually want to do? And are the girls advocating for this and do they actually want to run the distance? And I think what's missing in this conversation and even in my research is actually speaking to the girls who are currently running um, in high school and in early university cross country. Um, yeah, but here, here's the problem with that. Uh, if, if when they were introducing the women's marathon back in the 70s, uh, you would you would made that decision based on the demand to do the women's marathon among women. It would never have happened. It would absolutely never have happened. It's always going to be a nor- minority of people in favor of a change. Um, people are products of their environment. They're products of their expectations. I mean, women didn't want the vote and the majority of women didn't want to vote when it was introduced in the early uh, 20th century. But it was granted to them on principle. And I think this is a question of principle largely, too, and that. If you, you survey girls 10 years from now, uh, they won't even know there were different distances. I mean, even the current cohort of NC, or sorry, CIS girls, um, first-year girls, uh, don't know that it was 5K only three years ago. They don't, they don't remember that it was 5K. In, in another 10 years, they won't remember there were ever different distances for boys and, and girls. I, I can guarantee you that. Just like young girls don't remember there was a time when they weren't actually allowed to run the marathon. Right. And I, you know... I, I, you know, see the history of the marathon differently and that the women did want to participate and, and that's why it perpetuated and became what it was. There were no, there were no more women that wanted to do it now than girls who want to run longer distances in high school. In track, if we use the survey that we did of CISOUA athletes last year, um, it was about 30 or 40% of women runners wanted to go longer. Um, it was a tiny, tiny number of women who wanted to run 
marathon because the longest distance in track up until the 70s had been 800 meters. Uh, so, you know, people basically rise to the expectations you, you have of them. Uh, so I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if the majority of girls, matter of fact, I've talked to girls and women now who actually say, um, I personally don't want to run further, but I can see the argument for having equal distances because it's a principle question. But I personally grew up in this system and I personally don't want to race any further, but the decision should not be made based on what I think, but on the principle of gender equality and what's good for, for future girls and future women. All right. And then on that note, uh, we'll go to the closing arguments. So Steve, I'll let you have the first word and then we'll wrap it all up with, uh, with Sasha's closing arguments. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's, for me, it's pretty simple. Um, this is, again, it, it's a relic of the past. It wasn't the product of any kind of systemic design. It's just kind of, it's the distances are left over from an earlier period and all we wanted to do was increase participation. Um, it is, it's the simplest thing in the world. It was, if, if we manage to do this, it will be probably, uh, the, the, le- the least epic equality measure in the whole history of sport to actually make running on grass and dirt uh, distances for men and women the same when they're already the same in track and on the roads. Um, it'll be a blip in the history of, the, of uh, women's equality in sport. Uh, and, and because it's so simple, uh, I think we just need to we just need to bite the bullet and get, and get it done. Most people see the common sense of it. There are a few people with kind of vested interest in the system as it is now and uh, um I think in a while they'll uh, they'll come around, but this is I just think this is something that's that's eminently commonsensical and something we need to just get done. All right, and Sasha. Um, thanks again, Steve uh, and Michael, for hosting this. Um, and one of the things I'm I'm not afraid to admit is that I'm I might be wrong, and you know if I'm proven wrong by a whole bunch of girls, I think that would be awesome. But one of the reasons I wanted to engage um, in this debate and this conversation was that. I found the majority of people that were talking about um, the gender equity issue in cross country were men. And, you know, I was wondering, well, where are the women and where are the girls rising up and speaking about this? And so, you know, I sat down and I was like, well, what is my ask? Like at the end of the day, what do I want? And I want something that represents uh, what the girls want. And so my ask is for OFSA, for Athletics Ontario and Athletics Canada to do surveys at the big meets and ask the girls what they want. And then to, to use a holistic approach and look at the physiology, the mental impacts, um, and make a holistic decision uh, that benefits the girls at the end of the day. And, but one of the other things that I would also really like to see, and it's on the men's cross-country side, is, and, you know, and I talked to some of my male teammates um, about this at practice over the last couple of weeks, is you know, it's the 7K currently at the high school level. You know, and that jump from 7K to 10K, and they just, you know, it, it's a lot for them and in the training. And it would be great to also see an increase um, in the men's distance in cross country. So, um, Steve, to your point, I mean, there's other options that we can we can introduce in cross country where we have distances and you actually get to pick what you race. And maybe it's like cross country skiing and we have relays and we can have mixed gender teams and we can have women's teams and they can be different distances and we can we can engage a whole bunch of other people who may not be running now and we may actually get you know into the sport if you have any comments to make on the show be sure to leave them on tracky.ca or tweet us at the terminal mile big thanks to our guests sasha gollish steve boyd and alex wilkie for making this week's show and to tracky for their ongoing support remember you can find us via itunes stitcher and tune in as well as tracky.ca Thanks again for listening. You've been tuned into the Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production.